Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Well, good morning and welcome back to another episode of the Money Advantage Podcast. This is Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner. And we are coming at a different time than usual because, well, life happens sometimes. And (laughs) Bruce is glad to be here after a long night in the New Orleans airport last night. So we are going to go ahead and dive into this conversation that we've been having for a while, which is what is infinite banking? We're actually on part nine of this series. And Really, the goal of this conversation from the beginning really was to unpack what exactly is infinite banking, just from a fundamental, bare bones, basic, 101 type level of understanding infinite banking. And there's many, many reasons for this. I think sometimes people can get into infinite banking or hear about infinite banking or be intrigued by the idea. And it can sound really good. And then they say, wait a minute, what exactly is this I'm interested in or committed to? Why would it make sense for me? And how does it actually work? And so this was a really a big attempt just to pull back the curtain and reveal just the absolute basics, the fundamental workings of infinite banking to help you understand it from the vantage point of what is actually happening to make these claims, these, these, um, the benefits of infinite banking real. And so today we're continuing that conversation by talking about what infinite banking is not. And I think there will be a lot of clarity coming out of this episode today, because when you understand what black is, you can understand what white is better. When you understand what light is, now all of a sudden darkness makes sense. Because I will just say this at the beginning, you cannot define darkness without talking about light. Light happens, light is, it exists, it's a thing, and darkness is the absence of it. Good exists, bad is the absence of good. So we are going to talk about what is not infinite banking, and because you will understand the contrast, you will now be be able to have a better understanding and a clearer picture of what infinite banking is. Bruce, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation today. I'm really glad to, to be having this conversation. Yeah, I think our responsibility is just to simply bring clarity to what we already know and what a lot of people already know. I met with a, you you mentioned I was in New Orleans and I met with a a person who reached out just coincidentally when I was uh, reviewing with other clients, um, just coincidentally reached out as a money advantage client that we have, I actually have a meeting with, a Zoom meeting with tomorrow. and. he actually only lived 10 minutes away from the hotel I was staying with (laughs) and I got to meet him live. And he's, he said, he's, he's listened to every one of the podcasts. And he said, what he likes about it is that we attempt through an educational situation to actually explain things rather than what he called a sensational marketing campaign Uh, to convince people that they're missing out on something. And um, I mean, you and I, from the very beginning, this was the way we wanted to do it. And, you know, I'm, I'm not into the self-aggrandizement. I'm not saying this, we're the greatest in the world, but, I, but people that are looking for this type rather than 
these are the five things infinite banking can do for you kind of sensational marketing things. Uh, those are the people we're looking for. We're looking for people that really want to understand from an educational point how this works. And then we'll dive into that today. Bruce, I love that you bring that distinction between explaining and convincing, between sensational and just the real facts. And I hope that if anyone's been listening for a length of time now, you see that Bruce and I are pretty um, down-to-earth people, and that's what we really want to communicate with you today. So pull up a chair. I think we're live. If you would like to jump in on the conversation. Okay, awesome. So I will be watching the chat. If you have questions, go ahead and pop those in wherever you're watching. So if you're on YouTube, which is most likely, you might be on Facebook, you might be on uh, Twitter or LinkedIn, go ahead and pop in your question, and we will attempt to answer that today in this short and compact episode. So Let's have a conversation. What is infinite infinite banking not? I'm going to start with the first thing. And Bruce, let's just have a conversation about this. I think all too often infinite banking can be promoted or seen or understood from an outside perspective as this is the opportunity for me to put my money in and it's going to be magic. It's going to all of a sudden create all this money for me to use right now. It's going to create this death benefit. It's going to create a legacy for me. And that must be magic because it just sounds like it's going to solve all my problems. It's going to fix everything. It's the one one size fits all, one answer, one product I need. And it's the magic bullet to wealth creation. It's going to accelerate my wealth and I'm going to have access to my money. It's going to grow as fast as possible. And all those things are components of what it can do for you, but it can come across as well, infinite banking is just magic. And that is not true. There's yeah, you a forgot, danger. You forgot a, you forgot a tax-free retirement plan. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. And so it's going to do all these things for me. And all I simply have to do is put money in. And, and well, I can actually probably put money in less length of time than I thought. And it's just going to do all this great stuff for me. And I'm going to just be able to sit back and retire, which we also hate that word we <laughs> talked about right before the show. And I'm going to be able to just trust in this only this one product and it's going to do everything for me because it's magic. I think there's a lot of danger in thinking that way, Bruce. I see some uh, thoughts that you want to share. Go ahead. Yeah. So th- this is this is part of the problem is the skeptics uh, come across and they don't they don't even engage us or they don't engage other people because they say, because we try to make it seem through the sensationalism of marketing that it, it, it is the perfect situation and it's easy to do. And I always say it's it's um, it's not easy. It's but simple, it, but not it, easy, right? Pardon me? Simple, but not easy. Yeah, it's simple, but it's not easy to do. And it's the reason it's not easy to do is because this is what Nelson knew, is that human conditions get in the way. And so what I what I've noticed over my career is one of the things that would, uh, people use it all the time is for to get out of debt. You know, they're like, "Oh, look, we can do this. Use this to get out of debt," and they and then they package it with with velocity banking. And I always say, if you don't have good money habits to begin with, and Nelson knew this, if you don't have good money habits to begin with, that's why you got into debt. So if you don't yes. have good money habits to begin with, you're not going to be a good saver either. And that is what the infinite banking system is. It's a place to 
actually store or save money. It's not an investment. And that's where the magic comes in too. When they start talking about, oh, you can have all this tax-free retirement. Can you have tax-free retirement? Yes. Should it be the only thing you do? Our, our opinion is no. You know, there are other things you can do. You, you can use the cash as an opportunity fund, but there's a lot of people out there that are just saying, just put the money in here and then live off of this. And our opinion is that will not give you this, the stress-free retirement that you need. So you mm -hmm. ought to have uh, places you save money. And then you ought to have places that you actually invest money. And this is not an investment. This is a saving tool. That's where this whole magic thing comes in. And then, Rachel, you know, we've talked about this before. Uh, the magic also comes in uh, from a lot of people in the real estate world that they think that this is a short-term thing. Mm -hmm. So that let's just get the money there. Let They understand that you're they're getting uninterrupted, you know, compounding interest and dividends. But let's let's not keep that there. Let's get it out as soon as possible and let's go and get it into real estate and then we'll get the best of both worlds. The problem with that short-term thinking is that it doesn't develop the correct habits of the of developing a pool of capital that you're specifically going to use for real estate. Now I'm going to give you an example right now. There's something called SPACs that are going on in the investment world. And basically, a SPAC is where you give an um, organization money, and they don't even tell you how they're going to invest it. And a lot of it is in private equity, where they go out and buy businesses or real estate. The problem is they have so much money now that they're making poor decisions because they want to get out and buy something right now. So they're not evaluating it. They're they're paying big prices because businesses and because of inflation, businesses and real estate are overvalued. So they're just deploying the money. It's the same thing if you want to just fund your, your uh, infinite banking system and then just deploy the money right away. You are not thinking long term, so you're deploying money in uh, well. You can. It's not an absolute. You can actually have a mindset where and that is blinded by the numbers. And what I mean is, is that when you really want to get money into a, an investment, whether it's a business or real estate, you can be blinded by the fact and those numbers actually fit. Oh yeah, this is really really good. That's why you actually need you should have a you should have additional counsel to help you that's non-emotional counsel to mm -hmm. actually help you through that investment. So thinking long term and not thinking that it's short and it's some magical thing that you can just do one time or two times or three times and you'll never have to do another thing mm -hmm. is I, I think one of the things that it is not. You know, I it's interesting. We started out with three things that it's not, and I, this is prompting additional um, definitions for what infinite banking is not. But I think the danger in thinking about infinite banking as a short-term fix, as as Bruce, you were saying, well, if I can just plug my money into infinite banking right before I put it into other investments, then what that puts my attention on is how much early cash value can I get when I first start the policy, 
And the problem with that thinking is if you think about only that and you you put on blinders because you're you're focused on one component and you stop looking at the rest of the picture, you stop looking big picture and you zoom in just to, well, how much early cash value can I get? And that one question, if that is driving all of your decisions, that's where you have a short-term focus. And that's how you can recognize it because you're thinking, well, if I put $100,000 in today, what percent of that $100,000 is going to be available in 30 days for me to pull back out of the policy, well, borrow against the policy and invest somewhere else. And you're thinking about how quickly you can get the money going. Yes, moving money and having money do multiple things at a time is good. That's called velocity of money. But if you're only thinking about what you can do next week or next month or within this year of first starting the policy, you're missing the point that this is a long-term solution. This is a lifelong endeavor for you to be able to have the most stable ground and certainty beneath your feet for the rest of your life and be able to pass on the greatest legacy and have more opportunity to do more things along the way. So we really just want to have a long-term focus, not just that short-term focus. And Bruce, as you were talking about the the quick strategy that a lot of people will kind of over like aggrandize. They'll they'll make this particular strategy seem like it is a solution. They'll they'll talk about infinite banking being a solution to debt, to paying off debt, the most quick way and snowballing out of debt so that you can get in a position where you now have cash flow instead of debt. And usually it's a intricate movement of a lot of things happening. And sometimes you're starting one policy and then you're borrowing against that policy to start another policy. You're borrowing against that policy to start another policy. Look, if you have to get really complicated and convoluted and do things that you're not even sure about where money's coming from or why it's moving, and it seems like it's overly complex, that probably is overly complex and probably is not a good strategy on solid foundation. And so infinite banking is not something that's meant to be um, over-engineered in a way of saying, well, you have to do these 16 different micro movements in order to make it work. You have to continually be starting new policies and you have to continually be as quickly as possible using that money and finding something to invest it in right away or or borrowing against one thing to purchase something over here. So let's keep it as simple and as clean as possible. At the end of this, we're going to talk about what infinite banking is. But um, Bruce? Well, I was just thinking uh, if if people want to actually uh, Google SPAC, S-P-A-C, Special Acquisition Companies, and see all the negative things about them right now, and that is because SPACs are short-term thinking. Mm. So. Um, once again, we're not, we're not here to necessarily judge what people have done. I always say, as long as you're doing something, I am very, very happy. <laughs> you know, if you, if you decided to do a 1090 policy and you can overcome the short-term thinking, we're not here to, but we're saying that human nature that Nelson knows is that, um, we get excited and this is what drives the market too. You know, people say, okay, I got to get in the market. I got to get in the market. And and then they say, oh, the market's going down. Oh, I got to get out of the market. I got to get out of the market. And that's short-term thinking. And it, it, We're talking about investments now, but it's the same thing with any human nature is that 
if you allow yourself emotionally to do things on short term, then you're going, you're more likely to make mistakes. I mean, it's the same way with a relationship. It's a, and I'm talking about a spousal relationship or your best buddy or your family relationship. If you judge it on a short-term thing and not the long-term view. So it's the same way with, with the policies. And we just want to, we just want to, for people to understand that they have to look inside themselves and see why they're doing this. We believe you you need to do it for the long term. You're going to get the greatest overall benefits. And Rachel, I'm going to I'm going to mm-hmm. stop with this final thought on this. Is I know a lot of people that are doing this because it's it's in the social media, and most young people use social media. And I didn't realize this, but apparently TikTok it's all over TikTok, and we don't use TikTok. So, but who looks at TikTok? Younger people. Mm-hmm. They don't value the death benefit. I didn't value the death benefit when I was 28 years old or 35 years old. But I'm telling you, as God is my witness, the older I get, but even the clients, because the way we design these, um, and a lot of a lot of agents design this or producers design this, you put a term rider onto the policy to satisfy the MEC. We've talked about this before in other podcasts. When I have reviews and that term rider is about to fall off and they're losing $400,000, $500,000 of death benefit that we had planned on losing at the, from the very beginning 10 years ago or 15 years ago, suddenly because they're that much older, they don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Even though they told me at the very beginning, they don't care about the death benefit. So I'm... That's my final thing about thinking long term. And if if the couple people out there can actually wrap their heads around that, then that would be great. So let's go ahead and jump over to a question for a second. So first, I know we have Sheila Neal watching. I'm not sure, Sheila, if you're still here. Um, we also have Rifa. I'm going to, I'm not sure about the last name. Does Shifa? Um, so it says on YouTube, hey, Rachel, I'm starting my policy August 11th. I'm so excited. It's okay if I go 1090 or stick with 6040. So let's answer that. And then he also says, I believe it's a heat. I'm not sure. Um, from the picture I'm judging here. Sorry, Rifa. Um, one more question. Can I take out my cash value and put it in my premium to build it up faster? These are yeah, really good tried, questions. I, yeah, two really good. I actually tried to answer it, but for some reason, um, it will not allow me to send. Oh, there it goes finally. I um so. Rifa, you know, I think I think you can answer your own question when you do your own research, as long as you can search inside yourself enough. And so Rachel and I don't know you. We don't know your your total situation, so on and so forth. So if you just piece together some of the things we talk about long term, I think you could answer that question yourself. We're not going to have enough fiduciarily, I cannot really answer that question without knowing all your goals and aspirations for this. So I think you're, I think you'll have enough to answer your um, self about the 1090 or the 6040 or heck, it might be 4060. It might be 3070. It might be, it might be 5050. We go over all these things with our clients. And on so, that note, if you're looking just for information, 
go to themoneyadvantage.com and on the blog, just search 1090. We have several podcasts that we've done on that topic, just so you can kind of get more of an idea about what the goals typically are of a 1090 policy and what we really want your focus to be on is the long-term growth of the policy and what it's going to do over your lifetime, not just what it's going to do tomorrow in terms of early cash buildup. So that's some more educational material on the blog and podcasts about that. It's also on YouTube if you want to search that way on our channel with themoneyadvantage.com or the the money advantage. Um, But for you specifically, in order to answer that, you would need to have a conversation where we look at your full financial picture and understand your goals your challenges, what you're looking to overcome, your hurdles, your assets and your cash flow situation and figure out what would help you best accomplish that. So that's what Bruce is talking to fiduciarily there. Yeah. And then the other one, you said, if um, one more question, can I take out my cash value and put it in my premium to build up faster? Um, I I need some clarification here. First of all, do you literally mean take out the cash value? Because you can do that. You can ask the company to just send you the cash value. But if you send if they send you twenty thousand, let's just say it's twenty thousand, they send you twenty thousand out of your cash value because you're going to use that to pay the premium. Then you're actually reducing the cash value by twenty thousand. And depending on how far you're into your your contract. If you're in maybe the fourth year, you put that twenty thousand back as the premium that year. It will grow by the twenty thousand you took out. So you really haven't grown it by anymore. Now, it is true that you take the that your death benefit would then stay up higher. If you if instead you mean can I borrow against my cash value as a loan, which is different than taking it out. Right, which is different than taking it out. Um, if I borrow against my cash value to then pay the premium, once again, the cash value is going to go down by twenty thousand. The difference here is the death benefits only going to go down by the twenty thousand, not by what the original twenty thousand actually bought. Because I'm presuming it bought. If you're ten ninety, it bought a heck of a lot of PUAs. So, example, this is hard to explain on a podcast. <laughs> But if you're 1090, that means 10% of it is going to the base premium, which is $2,000, and 18,000 is going to the PUAs. Now we're presuming there's probably there's almost has to be some term in there, but we're just going to leave that out for right now. If you are eight, that 18,000 is strictly a single premium purchase. That single premium purchase. It means exactly what it says, paid up additions. That single premium purchase is paid up. You never have to put another dime into it. Depending on your age, that if you're a 30-year-old, that may buy five or six times, depending on your, your gender, your health, and your habits, that may buy five to six times more life insurance for you. So 18,000 times five is uh, $90,000. So your death benefit goes up by 90,000 but you only borrowed 20,000. So your death benefit only going to go down by 20,000. So you bought 90, your death benefit goes down to 70. 
So that is a better situation than if you would have um, just borrowed the money, or excuse me, asked for a refund back, depending on what your age was, how it's going to affect your death benefit, and whether you had to actually affect the base part of the uh, retire or the the death benefit also. So these are really difficult things to answer on a podcast because we don't have enough information about your health, your habits, and your gender about how it's being funded, how well you're funded. This is another thing that Nelson knew is if you put too much PUAs in it and you just say, oh, well, I only have to put $2,000 in the base this year. Um, I don't have to fund any more of the PUAs. It's the same thing of not having good money habits and paying yourself first. Mm -hmm. But yet the 1090 community says, look, this makes a lot of sense because next year you might not have the money to pay the whole base premium. And the reason you don't have enough money to pay the base premium because you haven't paid yourself first. You haven't had good money habits. And Nelson knew that. Okay. So he was trying to develop good money habits. Once again, it's, it's, it's up to you. You know yourself better. We don't even know your entire self in the podcast. So Arifa, we see, okay, yes, my goal is long-term. I just want it to grow forever. Yes, borrow. And oh, okay, okay, I get it a little. I'm 26. So <laughs> thank you for um, engaging. Hey, hey, first and- of all, thank you for even having this. I'm so glad yeah. you put something in place yes. because most 26-year-olds don't even do that. So congratulations, Arifa. Yes, very much. And the crazy thing is that almost everyone we talk to says, I wish that I had started this earlier. My husband and I looked at this and said, we wished we had started early. We could have, we should have, but we didn't have the information or the knowledge to be able to move forward and make decisions earlier than we did. So starting with something is always better. One thing I would encourage you is that your question here, if you can take out cash value and put it in premium to build it up faster, I would not think of that as a the plan when you're starting. I wouldn't plan to take a policy loan to pay my premiums for the purpose of building it faster. No, I would say that's not a good strategy because specifically that's not thinking about how can you have the best money habits? How can you, and when we say money habits, we mean here's the amount of money I make. Here's the amount of money that I'm saving. Every single month, I have a consistent discipline to save money and put that money somewhere. That's a good money habit. So you want to be doing that regularly, not thinking about, well, I saved a little bit of money last year. I'm going to use that little bit of money. And then I'm just going to keep borrowing against the policy to pay the premiums. That's not a sustainable way to build long-term wealth. So do not think of that as a initial plan for buying a policy and moving forward. However, there are lots of options if you do get into the policy and something unforeseeable happens and you need to say, well, let me find a way to take a policy loan to cover a portion of premium in a particular year. Yes, that can happen on a case-by-case basis, but that's not an initial plan going in. So I hope that is helpful. All right. So um, Rifa, I had a two-year-old and a three-year. I wish I started this five years ago. You know, Rifa, yes, we all say the same thing. So move forward with the information that you have. You are doing the right thing by thinking about life insurance, thinking about infinite banking, thinking about long-term wealth creation. That's great. Um, Andre Biswash saying, think long range, don't be afraid to capitalize. And um, Bruce, yes, I see you're saying thank you. Or yes, Andre, which is absolutely right. So thank you for the engagement. This is really fun. Um, let's let's just jump back over to what infinite banking is not, Bruce. Um, we are past the top of the hour. Do you have about 15 oh, yeah, minutes? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. All right. So 
Um, infinite banking is not a get rich quick scheme. It is not. It absolutely is not. And I would say, I'm actually going to take this a little further than saying what it's not. If you're looking for a get rich quick scheme, if you're looking for a magic bullet, if you're looking for something where you can say, I put my money in, I wash my hands of responsibility. I don't have to think about this anymore. I don't have to do anything more with it. It's just going to automatically be this machine that churns out money for me. And I am going to be passive and I don't have to think about it or do anything. You are not a good fit for infinite banking. If that is your perspective, if you're looking for one of those things, because I'm not sure if anyone's told you this before, but anything in the world that is worth achieving and that you will make yourself proud of for doing does not come that way. Not marketing, not building a successful business, not raising children, not having a good marriage, not having a healthy body that you eat well and you sleep well. And I mean, minus being in New Orleans all night first, (laughs) (laughs) you drink enough water and you're in a position where you're healthy and strong and fit. None of those things come by magic bullets. And it's very consistent across every area of your life that if you want something good to happen, you're going to have to work at it. So when we say that infinite banking is not a get rich quick scheme. It's because it's not a put your money in, pull out the the trigger and, you know, and in one month or five years, everything's going to be perfect in your life. So Bruce, is there anything else you want to say about that before we kind of jump over to what infinite banking is? That's the converse, the inverse, the opposite. of all Yeah, let's go. Let's be a little more positive. Yes, let's. So, and as we do this, I wanted to just um, compliment you, Bruce, as you mentioned the, the, the thing about short-term versus long-term thinking being emotion, this can also be applied to every area of life because I would say you can either make an emotional decision or you can use logic. And money is one area that is very difficult to use logic in, but so is finding the right person to marry. So is your religious beliefs. Those can be very difficult things to be logical about because we're emotional beings. And yet, if you want to make good decisions, we need to step out of that emotional side of our mind for a moment, step over into the rational, logical side, understand why we're doing something, understand how it works, and be able to have a well-thought-out argument for why we're making this decision. And that's what the hope of this podcast especially this series on what is infinite banking is hoping to do for you to move this decision in your life out of the realm of emotion into the area of logic, ration, and understanding. So what is infinite banking then? Um, I would first say it is a habit. It is a system. It is a long-term strategy for storing cash Because you have good money habits and you need a place to hold this reservoir of capital while you have not yet deployed it. You're in a position of saying, I'm saving 50, 20, even a hundred thousand, six hundred thousand dollars a month or a year. I'm saving this money and I'm in a position of saying, I need a place to put this because it's not just, we'll save money to buy a boat, save money to go on vacation. That's not true, a true savings habit. And it's also not a true savings habit to say, well, I saved money for 20 days and then I invested that money and I'm saving money just to invest it. You want to consistently be building up capital. Why? Because you want a reserve of cash that you can access and use. So infinite banking is a place to store 
that cash because you have good money habits of savings so that you can access and use this capital. Bruce, how would you add on to that? Everything you do in your life is about habits. And as we get older, we, we, you actually value that even more. There's a peacefulness of, from habits. You know, as you're young, you know, you're vibrant and you go out and on one Friday night or Saturday night and you get crazy. And then the next, the next day you're like, why did I do that? And I spent all my money and so on and so forth. And then as you get a little bit older, you're like, okay, I'm going to go and go out one night a week. And then as you get a little older, you're like, I just enjoy, I just enjoy staying home and being with my partner or my spouse or whatever. And so it's all about habits, but we do, we do need to experience different things to appreciate habits. And that is, you can accelerate your, your appreciation. You can accelerate your learning possibility. And I applaud everybody that, that is listening because I, I tell people all the time, I don't know everything. But when you've sat down in over 5,000 meetings, you get to learn what works for other family members. And so then all I try to do is share that, that experience with as many people as possible. And that's why we don't believe in a one-size-fits-all approach. And I can use my experience and then teach our other advisors, producers from the experience. And now they teach us from their experience. And then all of a sudden, you're multiplying exponentially all these experiences. And so there's very few people that can, can come in and say, here's my situation. What should I do? And then we ask more questions and we say, well, this probably will work best for you. It's not because that's what I think. It's what I've experienced with other families that it has worked well for them. Mm-hmm. And so that is, you can't overcome experience. And that's why I've said this before, you know, there's a lot of information on the internet. There's just not a lot of wisdom on the internet. And what I've, what I've noticed is when people think they have it all down explaining how the infinite banking system works and they do it in a a sensationalized marketing system, they are, they are losing out the most important thing. And that is telling people what it is and what it isn't. And because people really the skepticism comes in from people that said that make it seem like it's too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you, I've ever told you this, Rachel, but I don't, you know, on me, I don't post a lot on social media, but I do comment on social media from other, mm-hmm. from other people that do infinite banking or say they do infinite banking because I'm trying to learn from them too. You know, our buddy, James Nethery, you know, he's another person that tries to learn from other people. But I comment on other people when they say something inaccurate. And the most common thing they say that's inaccurate is that they say that you are going to borrow your money by taking it out. Hmm. And words are powerful. And I, and I say all the time, how can you have people trust you when you're not even using the, the right verbiage? Okay, you don't take your money out. That's, that interrupts the compounding. Mm-hmm. The other thing that it's it's going away, but it's more damaging than this is that they say you pay yourself interest. All that interest is being recaptured. No, it's not all that. That interest is going to the life insurance company. Now you can fool yourself by not what Nelson says, fool yourself into saving more by paying yourself more 
by paying into more PUAs, but you're actually just buying more PUAs. You're not paying yourself interest. You're calling it interest, but you're actually buying yourself more PUAs, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Nelson knew that he was like, Hey, you need to fool yourself into actually saving more money. So, so if they're charging you 5%, you charge yourself 10% and you keep the other 5% interest. Well, you're not really keeping interest. You're just calling it interest. You're buying more PUAs. Mm -hmm. So I think if people just focus on the fact of what this is and and it is, it's a developing habits is what it is. Bruce, I love that you shared those mistakes that are often made because it can be very easy to, again, oversimplify or make something sound easier to wrap your mind around by using certain words. But when it's not accurate, it does not truly convey what is happening inside an infinite banking policy. And so I think as we are sharing what infinite banking is not, what most important, the most important thing to take away from this podcast today is that it is a system. It's a skill that we're teaching you to continue to save money and put it into a place that is accessible and usable so that you can lean on this capital when you need capital, whether it's capital in your business or you need capital for an investment or you find an opportunity that is a very good deal or you have an emergency in your in your life situation and you need to be able to access cash. The problem with much financial thinking, if you look at the typical way of thinking, is that often people skip the saving step altogether. They have no savings. They have their, their income, they have their expenses in their lifestyle, and they have their investments. They have no savings. And then when they need money, for something, they need access to cash, where do they have to go? They can tap their their equity in their house if they can get a HELOC or if they can qualify for a home equity loan. Yeah, they need permission from the bank, the lending institution to be able to do that, which doesn't mean it, that means it's not that accessible to you and you can get in a pinch when you can't access that. Or they charge it up on a credit card, which the bank can pull your line of credit if they see a reason to do that. Or you look at taking money out and divesting your investments. Well, what if you're in a down market? What if it's not conducive to do that? What if it's going to be really harmful to your long-term financial goals to, to take money out of your investments? Or what if it's not liquid at all and you tied it up in some kind of an investment that you cannot access? And so the challenge is that a lot of times people are looking to create, their focus is on the wrong thing. The focus is usually on what is the end dollar amount, the net worth that I need so I can retire and live off the interest. And if that's your one and only goal, that can distract you from having good savings habits because it savings doesn't really fit in that in that system because, well, savings isn't really growing that fast. It's not adding to my net worth very much. So why do I need to have that fundamental piece in my life? But if you look all the way back, I'm going to um, shout out to this book called The Richest Man in Babylon. I highly recommend this book for anyone who is wanting to just really build solid money habits. The very first principle is to pay yourself first. And they say it in a fancy way. They say, set your purse to fattening. I'll let you read the book to understand what that means and why they say it that way. But it is truly the most fundamental cornerstone financial foundation for building wealth to have this consistent savings habit. And so infinite banking 
is a tool to use a strategy of saving effectively so that you have that capital to access and use and that that capital then you're able to borrow against it by taking a loan from the life insurance company, keeping your cash inside the policy growing with dividends and interest. And you want that capital to grow as much as possible. It's producing a death benefit that will then pay out to whoever you've listed as a beneficiary. Could be your trust, could be your children, could be your grandchildren, could be your spouse. And that is going to then create a financial opportunity that you are leaving behind when you lift off or leave leave this earth. And so that is truly the essence of what infinite banking is and what it does. And if you look at just one component, well, what's my net worth? That's going to cause you to miss the mark of having a stable and solid certainty in your financial life that's going to give you the best opportunity in the widest range of circumstances, which really is what life is all about. So it is a skill. It's a system. It is long-term. And if you are going to do infinite banking well, that means you are committed to a lifelong habit of good, a, a lifelong system, a lifelong discipline of having good money habits and thinking long range and thinking about how can you create the most opportunity in the future, not just right now. So Bruce, let's go ahead and um, bring this into a close here today. Is there anything that you would like to share before I wrap up this episode? No, I, I yeah, there is. I I just like to share once again from my experience of just this past just uh, two days ago when I was reviewing with a client, and they were an older client who, uh, this in place in their sixties, and they were we were coming up to seven years because he said you know I want to stop funding it in retirement he was going to retire. And he said, so I really don't want to do this more than seven years. And I said, well, we can design it like that. But if I do my job well, you will not want to stop doing this even in retirement. And he's like, okay, but I don't have to, you know, he, he was mm-hmm. very, very, very clear. So now we're, he just funded a six year and we're looking at the seventh year, which will be next year. And I said, do, do you see, though, that you put $75,000 into your contract? Because that's what it is, a contract. And it grew by $90,000. So next year, would you take some of your retirement money and put $75,000 so that it grows by 90 or would you, or don't you want that other $15,000? And he just had a long silence and he finally looked at me and he goes, I finally understand what you were talking, what you are talking about. Mm. And so Nelson used to say, this is well, I'm going to, I'm going to finish, finish this. And this is what I was so proud of Rifa for starting something because Rifa, that's not the only one, that's not going to be the only one you ever do. You're going to continue to add to your system. Nelson used to always say, this is more caught than taught. You have to experience it by getting it going, using it, see the reviews if people are properly reviewing every year, funding it properly, 
borrowing against it so that you can do something else with it to overcome the, the, the interest that you're paying, you know, use it to buy a car, use it to buy your boat, use it to fund a business, use it to buy real estate. And then you'll really start to see the power of how the system works. So it's more caught than taught. So that, that is the thing I want people to realize is get it going. Even if you don't understand it, as long as you're working with somebody good, it's going to review with you and, and, Go and knows the ins and outs, and then you will be so glad that you started it today and didn't wait for for five or seven years, like people tell us all the time. And you know the famous story of what Nelson used to always say is the best time to tra- plant a tree was seventy years ago, but the second best time to plant a tree is today. That's absolutely right, and it is so interesting that I think. Infinite banking is one of those decisions that can feel like a giant change in your life, especially if this is your first policy um, for anyone who's listening. If you are not yet started with infinite banking and you're wanting to make that leap into it, sometimes it can feel like a giant leap of faith. Like, well, I think I know what I'm doing. I'm not really sure. I've never done this before. And the challenge can be, especially when more is caught than taught, when you're not around people who are using infinite banking and you are the only one and everyone's saying, well, that seems like a bad investment or I've heard it's not good for you to do. Well, that can sow those seeds of doubt and pretty pretty soon you're not trusting what you think you knew in the past and, and you're um, hesitating before making that move. But I will guarantee you that if you move forward with wisdom and with good insight and with somebody who knows what they're doing, you will in 10 years or 20 years, look back and say, thank you to yourself today. And I can say for sure, because I'm in that position. And now my husband and I are looking back at the first policy that we started, which was close to 10 years ago, I think about nine and a half years ago now. And we're saying, I'm so thankful. We're not looking back and saying, I wish I started this sooner. I mean, yes, we still wish that we had started it before that date, but now we're We've reached a point where we're growing by far more than we're putting in each year. We're starting our additional policies. You can go check out our podcast on the Marshall Family Banking System to see exactly what's going on with that. But we love now the decision that we made nine and a half years ago, and we're thankful for that. And so if you just make decisions today that are going to make yourself proud in the future when you look back, that's going to move you light years ahead. Rifa. Thank you so much for all the comments there. And um, yes, thank you for joining us on this podcast today. For anyone who's listening today or in the future, there are several opportunities for you to be able to take the next step. One, you can go ahead and comment any question that you have and we answer every single, well, I wouldn't say we answer, we read every single comment and we answer, I think 99.99%, but I don't want to make an absolute statement. We answer comments, we answer questions via YouTube, we provide additional resources and tools. So if you have questions, comment wherever you're watching, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, you can also email us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com. If you have a specific question that you would like us to answer, you back in email, or we can also sometimes do an episode where we just answer questions. So you are able to get answers to anything that you have that's maybe a roadblock or a hindrance or seems like something that is a challenge for you that you need to overcome. Now, if you're ready to say, I've been following long enough, whether it's your channel or someone else, or I know enough about infinite banking that I'm ready to move forward. And the next step that you actually need to do is to jump over that edge of the cliff and stop waiting and stop analyzing or overanalyzing, and you need to take that next step, 
we can help you through that. And it is not a challenging, it's not a, a painful, frustrating process. We'll take you by the hand. We'll help you understand what's ha- happening actually in your financial life right now. We'll assess your goals. We'll figure out what you need to help you accomplish your goals best. And we'll explain all of that for you to be able to make decisions with clarity. I will guarantee you there is no high pressure. There's no sales tactics. We're not going to swoop in all of a sudden after all of the explanations that we do on the podcast and all of a sudden arm wrestle people into making a decision that we think is great for them. We really are going to lay out the facts and help you understand what your options are so that you can choose to make that move today that will make you proud in 10 and 20 years. So if you would like to do that, you can go to themoneyadvantage.com. You can book on our calendar, get on our advisor calendar, and take that first step with a 30-minute conversation just to find out if we're a good fit in working together. We look forward to seeing you there. And please remember, actually, I wanted to share this. This has not a lot to do with our episode today, but it's something that's really on my mind lately. Albert Einstein had a quote. It was actually from The Secret. Lucas and I finished finally watching The Secret movie. And there's a quote that said that Albert Einstein said, the most important decision we make is whether we believe we live in a friendly or a hostile universe. And that's going to determine everything that you do in your life, whether you are self-protecting in scarcity and fear because you're afraid of what is out there to get you, or whether you believe that you live in a friendly universe that is for you, that's for your good, that's going to lead you to the right things, that's going to give you the right information, that's going to help you move to the next step and accelerate and, and do more with your life and be happier and more wealthy and do everything better. So that's a decision you have to make. And I hope you will choose to believe that the universe is friendly. So in closing, please remember success leaves clues. So model the successful, let me try that again. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.